The following is a message from Christ the King Presbyterian Church in Roanoke, Virginia. For more information about the ministry of Christ the King, please visit us at ctkroanoke.org. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Penny, and I'm the senior pastor here. And uh, it is good to be with you to gather to worship uh, the one true God. And uh, if you are new with us, you are joining us in the midst of a four-week uh, short sermon series looking at the topic of stewardship. So if you are with us a few weeks ago, you remember uh, stewardship. When we hear that word, uh, to be a steward, that we can often think of uh, uh, just money or finances, right? That's how oftentimes the church has talked about this topic. It's limited to that. But, but for our purposes, we're actually expanding that. Of course, stewardship does reflect upon our, our money. It causes us to think about our, our finances, those sorts of things. And we're going to talk about that. But, but we've already seen that to be a good steward, to steward something, is also about our gifts and our relationships, right? our abilities. It's beyond just money. We heard a few weeks ago that to be a steward is simply one who, who has delegated responsibility, Right? To steward something is to steward something that is not your own. Right? That we have been given a responsibility to care for, to, to hold on to, to use something that doesn't belong to us. And what we've talked about, gifts and relationships and this morning time, ultimately belongs to the Lord. That's what we've said. And so to look at time, what we're going to do is look at Ephesians chapter 5. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Ephesians 5. We're going to read from verses 15 uh, through 20, uh, excuse me, 21. The, the slide is, is, mis is uh, incorrect. That was on my, was my fault. Um, but, um, but we're going to read through 21. And if you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screens or in the Bibles in the chairs in front of you. But as we're talking about time, something that's unique about time um, in contrast to the other things we've already talked about, gifts and relationships, is that time is the same for all of us, right? Gifts differ. Some people are gifted with hospitality or administration or music or teaching or what have you, but not everyone's gifted in the same way. And, and relationships differ from person to person, right? Some of us have many, many deep relationships. Some of us have only a few Right? We have different family relationships. We have different friendships. Relationships differ from person to person, but time is the same for us all. No matter your age, no matter your sex, your socioeconomic status, your education, there are only 24 hours in a day. And only seven days a week and 365 days in a year, it, it is the same for us all. And so the question isn't, how much time do we have? The question is, what do we do with the time that has been given us? And to answer that question, we're going to look at Ephesians 5. And Paul writes this, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another 
out of reverence for Christ. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time and ask that you would be present amongst us, that you would lead us into your truth, that you would beat back the distractions of this world, and that we would focus our hearts and our minds upon you, our God and our King, in whose name we pray. Amen. So in 1930, the economist John Maynard Keynes wrote an essay that was titled The Economic Possibilities of Our Grandchildren. And in this essay, he was uh, forecasting what the world was going to be like for his grandchildren, basically once they became adults. So, so it's actually not, not too far removed from our current day. When his grandchildren would be uh, adults, what would the economic possibilities look like? And he argued, he surmised that by the time his grandchildren were adults around the present day and age in which we live, the average American would work 15 hours a week. Now, he, he proposed that in 1930. Uh, 35 years later, in 1965, there was a Senate subcommittee that was formed, and they were examining the, the work week of the American people. And they surmised that by the year 2000, the average American would work 14 hours a week. Well, it's 2023, and so the question is, how's your 14-hour week going? <laughs> it's going pretty well, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we laugh at it because we don't need a poll and we don't need stats to know that instead of a 14-hour work week and countless free time to, to play and to travel and to exercise and do all those things we want to do, instead, our time is full. Our time is very, very full, right? And I know this because the common response to the question, how's it going? Well, the very first response to how's it going is fine, right? Uh, wives, your husband, you know, you see them at the end of the day. How was work, honey? Fine. Kids, how was your day at school? Fine. Leave me alone. I'm going to my, right? Like, fine is the response. But the second most common, maybe, response to that question, how is your day, is busy. How are you doing? I'm busy. Life is busy, right? This is what we say. Life is busy. And it's busy for all of us. We're all busy. There's nothing unique about that. And we hear Ephesians chapter 5 when Paul says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of your time. And we think, well, surely I'm making the best use of my time because my time is so busy. Right? I have to tell you, for years, this verse was like a chain around my neck, like just weighing me down. It, it was a burden upon me. Because I would find myself asking, not am I just making good use of my time, but am I making the best use of my time? And if I'm being busy, if I keep going, if I don't stop, then surely that's the best use, right? David Zoll, a writer, um, looking at our world and commenting on the world in which we live, says to be busy is to be valuable, desired and justified. Busy is not just how we are, but who we are. Being busy has become a status marker in our world. It's a way of being active for the sake of ourselves. It's a way of justifying the franticness, franticness of life. But y'all, that's not Ephesians 5. 
You see, making the best use of our time is not building our resume of worth around our activity. No, making the best use of our time, being stewards of our time, means that we are active, but we are active not for ourselves, but we are active unto the Lord. Look at the verses that follow verse 16. Paul says, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And then he says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay, so we know what happens, right, when, when someone consumes too much wine. We lose our inhibitions. They lose self-control. For that time, they are controlled by alcohol. And what Paul is saying is that that's not God's people, No, we are not those who are controlled by wine or by alcohol or really by anything other than God. That we are to be those who are filled with the Spirit. And so that means our lives are dictated and oriented around the things of God. So the words that we say, the things that we do, the thoughts that we think, the way we spend our time, they reveal who we are controlled by. They reveal what is controlling us. And so to steward our time must mean using our time and our activity for the sake of the Lord. Being controlled by Him. And this is what Paul's getting at in other passages. Like Colossians chapter 3 where he says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Or in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where the Apostle Paul writes, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, did you notice the examples that Paul used there? When are we to glorify glorify God? How are we to glorify the Lord? Well, just think about this. If you were to go and ask someone, kind of a random person on the street, or your neighbor, or your family member, right? Like, how is it? What are we to do to glorify God? What are the things you think you would hear? Well, go to church, right? Read your Bible, pray, share the gospel, give to the church, give to missions, support these, right? Those are the things we would hear. And absolutely, those are ways that you can glorify God. Like, don't hear what I'm not saying, right? Uh, Come next week. Come back, please, right? Um, that those things we do to glorify God. But, but did you notice what Paul said too? Right? He said things like eating and drinking in word and in deed. Y'all, that's the everyday mundane things of life. Paul isn't just talking about the extraordinary times of life, but the very ordinary aspects of life. You see, what it means is that every aspect of our time is to be given over to God. Whether you eat or drink, or change a diaper, or go to the grocery store, or populate an Excel spreadsheet, or sit across from a friend, making the best use of our time, being stewards of our time, means using that time for the sake of God. So what does that look like? Now, in your minds, it might, you might think, well, well, what it looks like is we plaster our briefcases with Bible verses, right? So every time I open my briefcase at the start of the day, it says, I can do all things through God, you know, who, who strengthens me. Um, 
I mean, there, there's something good about having Bible verses around you, right? But, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. And it doesn't mean that we have to baptize that everyday work that we do with religious jargon, right? Like, hey, kids, I'm taking out the trash for the glory of God. <laughs> you know, that, that's not what it means. No, what it means for us to give every aspect of our time, every moment of our time over to the Lord, what it means is that we are mindful of God in the midst of the things that we do that we are aware of his presence with us and that we are living before him. That God isn't taking his gaze off us as as we are washing the, the floor or we're making dinner or we're going to work, but that he actually is with us. And so to do those activities, mindful of the fact that he is with us and doing them for his honor and glory. It also means that we're going to guard that time. We're going to guard our time. To be a steward of our time means we're going to guard it because the days are evil. That's the second half of verse 16. Walk is wise, not unwise. Make the best use of time because the days are evil. So I want you to think, where does your mind go when you're idle? When you're clearly not making good use of your time, what consumes your thoughts And what stokes your imagination? I mean, isn't it in time of idleness that our minds run to worry and fear? Isn't it in times of idleness that that we replay that conversation with that person and, and we finally have those biting and hurtful words we want to say to that person who hurt us? Where do your eyes go? Doom scrolling through social media? Consuming illicit content? You see, the truth is, is that when we engage in activity that isn't unto the Lord, we're making space for the flesh and we are entertaining evil. Even the evil of our own hearts. So to steward our time to walk as wise men and women is to be active unto the Lord and guarding that time for the sake of the Lord. Now, I imagine that some of you, as you hear this, what you're thinking is, okay, if I'm going to live unto the Lord, if I'm going to be active for him, if I'm going to guard my time, then I must fill every second of every minute of every hour with busyness. <laughs> and we've come full circle, right? I mean, that's, that's what it must be, right? That's what I must do. I must constantly be going and constantly be moving, You know, in an interview with Christianity Today a number of years ago, Eugene Peterson, who was a writer and a pastor, who has since gone on to be with the Lord, he said this, writing of his own life, he said, I was wearing myself out. I remember thinking, I'm a puppy dog. Somebody throws a Frisbee and says, get it, and I run and get it, and come back and do it again. Fetch was the one word I knew really well. I did a lot of fetching. Does that sound familiar? Maybe like your life or mine? And maybe some of you, that's what you heard this morning, that to be active unto the Lord is like that puppy dog running and fetching. But you know, I ended Peterson's quote early. I cut it off. He goes on and he says, fetch was the one word I knew really well. I did a lot of fetching, but I never learned how to sit. 
He was that puppy dog who ran, but he never learned how to sit. And y'all, if we're going to be good stewards of our time, it doesn't just mean being active unto the Lord, it means also sitting and resting unto the Lord. It means resting unto him. And this is where many of us, I think, struggle. This is where many of us uh, have difficulty, the stopping, the sitting, the resting. But God has put it actually into the fabric of creation that we would rest, that we would stop. I mean, do you remember in Genesis? You remember after God created the heavens and the earth and all that they contain, after he worked for six days in creation, what did he do? He rested, right? We're told that explicitly in Genesis 2. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God rested, and his rest becomes the pattern for our rest, Because in Exodus 20, when God gives to his people the Ten Commandments, in the fourth commandment, he declares, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. So do you hear that? God has actually called us to stop, to rest to cease from our normal working activity. You are not made to never stop. You are not made to just go, go, go. You are supposed to rest, to cease from your normal labors. Y'all, isn't, isn't that really nice? I mean, incredibly freeing. You do not have to feel guilty for not working. Now, if you don't work for 30 years, that's a different conversation. But to take a day of rest from your normal activities, to set aside your normal labors, there's no guilt in that. In fact, you are being obedient. That is very freeing. That God, out of his kindness and generosity to his people, has actually called us to stop and rest and to spend time producing nothing. And that is part of stewarding our time. And that is very, very different than what the world tells us. Because it goes against everything in the world because the world says we need to produce more and we need to work more and we need to always be on call and we can never be away. But, but friends, it's actually for our good that we stop. You know, um, after Kat's most recent surgery... Uh, So she had three surgeries this year. We had four in our family when we include Cole. But after her third surgery, after her third one, her most recent one, do you know what the days following her surgery looked like? Almost nothing. (laughs) They didn't look like much of anything at all. And that's because for three weeks, Kat wasn't allowed to put any weight on her leg. And so for three weeks, Kat, who's very active, engaged in lots of different things, had to sit on the couch and watch TV, and read books, and eat meals. 
For three weeks, she couldn't put weight on her legs, so she couldn't go up and down the stairs. She couldn't head off to work. She couldn't, you know, take the kids to their various events and places. She, she couldn't help with the laundry. Don't worry, the laundry got done. The kids, the kids still smelled okay, you know, <laughs> right? The, she couldn't help with the laundry, and she couldn't help with the other chores around the house. All she did for three wor- weeks was rest. And that was right. For her body to recover from what she had been through, she had to rest. She needed it. And while most of us aren't recovering from surgery, God has designed us in such a way that to be a steward of our time means we are called to rest as well. And so don't feel guilty for stopping, for taking a day to rest of having periods where we produce nothing, times when we have nothing tangible to show for our day, times of play and sleep and ceasing and worship. You see, this is where biblical rest and idleness differ. In our minds, they might sound very similar, rest and idleness, but biblical rest and idleness differ in the fact that biblical rest is tied to worship. The Westminster Confession of Faith in chapter 21 tells us that the Sabbath day is a day of rest from our employments and a day of worship. Rest is tied to worship. In fact, our worship reflects an element of our spiritual rest. And this is what Paul's talking about at the end of Ephesians. We see this element of making the best use of our time in worship when Paul says, look carefully then how you walk making the best use of the time. Do not be foolish, be filled with the Spirit. And then in verses 19 and following, he says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. All right, where's the place, excuse me, where's the place where we address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? Where is it, excuse me, that we sing and make melody to the Lord? Well, I don't know about y'all, but but my life isn't a, uh, it's it's not a a Disney um, choir concert, right? Where we just burst out into song in the middle of the day, right? Where we're singing in the streets. No, where do we do these things? It's here. In times of worship. In the place of worship. You see, what we need to see is that stewarding our time and making the best use of our time means resting from our labors, excuse me, and setting aside time to rest in the Lord through worship. And this is one of the many reasons why we set aside Sunday morning to gather and to pray and to sing and to hear God's word and to dine at his table because it's in worship that we're reminded of what God has done through Jesus. That Jesus gave his life and death and gave his life in death and rose again so that we are freed from having to prove our worth and our value through the things that we produce or through our efforts. It's in worship that we hear Jesus say to us, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, take my yoke upon you, and you will find rest for your souls. 
You see, friends, there are many things we could be doing with these couple hours every Sunday morning. But we know, don't we, that the best use of our time is each Lord's Day to cease from our labors and to give ourselves in corporate worship, to rest in the Lord. And so don't allow this verse make the best use of your time. Don't allow this idea of stewarding our time, don't let it be a chain around your neck. Don't allow it to burden you, calling you to frantic busyness. Instead, friends, let us see that out of God's love for his people, out of his goodness to us, he has called us to use our time, to be active in his name, and to rest unto him. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you have given us days and months and years to work and to rest unto you. And so we pray that you would help us to do all things for your glory, whether we eat or drink, whether we sleep or we rise, whether we work or rest, we ask that all things would be given unto you and that we would make the best use of our time, that we would be stewards of the time that you have given us, honoring you in our homes, in our work, in our worship. So we thank you, God, and ask that you would lead and direct us. And we pray all this in Christ's name. And God's people said together, Amen.